0: It's time for She Knows Sports, the podcast, with your host, Tarika Foster-Brasby. Welcome, welcome, welcome to She Knows Sports, the podcast. Yes, I am your host, Tarika Foster-Brasby, and I am very excited to be back once again to bring you a show that brings you a female's perspective in the realm of sports. We have such a great show lined up for you today. Look, I'm so used to saying we because there's like 50 million people who are normally on a podcast with me when it's just me. And I'm the only person. So not we, but I have a great show lined up for you today. I'm going to talk some NFL news as a lot has transpired over the last few days. But I'm specifically just going to get into the Adrian Peterson situation and Antonio Brown getting his money. Show me the money. Um, I'm also going to delve into some NBA and I'm going to discuss some Raptors basketball today because later joining me in the show, I am going to have Miss Megan McPeak, who's the only female play-by-play announcer in the NBA D-League for Raptors 905. So I'm excited to hear from her. Um, I'm excited to talk some basketball. Would love to hear from the fans. So make sure you guys are hitting us up on Twitter hitting me up on Twitter at she Sports underscore. Feel free to dial into the show. It's 646-787-1968. I would love to open up the she Sports hotline towards the end of the show. So if I got some callers who want to talk to me, that's where you can get it in with me. But let's get right into it. If you are a team that is in need of a running back, then I bet hearing that Adrian Peterson passed on that contract option on Tuesday was the best news since sliced bread, okay? I don't think anybody was surprised, though, because we have been hearing rumors for some time that Peterson was possibly leaving Minnesota for this coming season. And I think according to those around him, he's actually been looking at potential suitors for about two weeks now. So the question is, if you're Peterson – Where do you go? What do you do? What place is going to be the place that best fits you? And whenever this question has been brought up over the last couple of days, the one thing that I continually keep hearing is Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. But you got to really think about what is most important to Adrian Peterson. And if you think about that and you understand what's most important to him, then you know that Dallas is not where he's going to go. Because what's important to him is not only the aspect of getting paid, but it's also the opportunity to start. And he is not going to start in Dallas. OK, Zeke has proved his worth in Dallas. And if Jerry Jones wasn't willing to sit his precious Tony Romo for Dak Prescott after how he showed out last season, I highly doubt that he's going to be willing to sit Zeke in order to. To have Adrian Peterson on the team, okay? And so, if that be the case, we need to go ahead and just eliminate Dallas from the equation. So, where else? Now, I'm thinking that there's a possibility that he would consider staying in the division and playing for the Packers. Hear me out, okay? Because I know y'all thinking Tariqa is crazy and she has lost her mind. But the reality is the Packers need a run game and they need a run game bad. And what other team do you think can genuinely put you at a position of making the playoffs every single year? And I know that that has to also be something that's important to Adrian Peterson. Being able to get to the playoffs, being able to get in a position to where you can win a championship You are always in position to do that in Green Bay. Green Bay desperately needs a run game. Eddie Lacy is going to be a free agent. All right, this is like the Brett Favre in reverse. Because remember, Brett Favre, you know, left Green Bay, went to Minnesota, took Minnesota to the NFC Championship, ended up losing to the Saints who eventually went on to win the championship. But this could be Brett Favre in reverse, you know? Packers fans would have to find a way to remove their hate for AP and bring him over to the dark side, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he would consider going to Green Bay. Another option, you gotta consider the Giants. Now we're talking about a team that needs a run game. The Giants need a damn run game. Up, okay? They ranked 29th in rushing last year, and don't think Adrian Peterson didn't peep game. When they let go of Rashad Jennings, because he tweeted that he noticed that they let go of Rashad Jennings. So New York could definitely be on his radar. And I've also heard rumors about the possibility of you know Oakland having an interest in him. Although I think Latavius Murray is a guy that Oakland would seem to want to stick with as he's proven to be a pretty good option for them. I would choose. Of An Adrian Peterson over Latavius Murray, but I've also heard rumors about Tampa Bay and this is where I'm not so sure because they got Doug Martin down there and when you've got a Doug Martin on your roster who's younger who yes has had an issue with an injury in the past, but not to the extent of an Adrian Peterson. I think that you want to stick with the guy who's been your guy for the last few years a guy who knows your system, a guy who has worked with Jameis Winston and understands that dynamic, I don't think that you take a chance in grabbing Adrian Peterson and messing up that chemistry that's potentially there. Not only that, I know that Doug Martin has a four-game suspension looming over him, but at the end of the day, you know Adrian Peterson is not going to want to just be the guy to start these four games while Doug Martin is out. He's going to want the position permanently. And I'm just not sold that Tampa Bay is going to be willing to give him the position permanently over a younger Doug Martin. So – Those two teams I heard, not quite sure if they'll really pan out. But in all honesty, it really wouldn't surprise me at all if he decided to just stay in Minnesota. I mean, he could be going through this entire charade for absolutely nothing. Think about it. The guy's been in Minnesota for 10 years. He is revered as a viking and more importantly there's something about the appeal of wanting to shop for other teams when you've never had to do so in the past there is an intriguing feel to free agency there's an intriguing feel to being on the market to seeing what other teams will want to do for you and give up for you so this could all be a play at just seeing how much minnesota is willing to let me look around before they come back with something bigger and better we don't know. We'll see. But other headlines that have been shaking the NFL this week, I got to go with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown just got paid, y'all. I'm talking about got paid. Like, just got paid. Okay? $68 million contract for four years, which includes a $19 million signing bonus, a $19 million guaranteed bonus. And an annual salary of $17 million, which makes him the highest paid wide receiver in the league. Now, the funny thing about all of this is just a few months ago, all you kept hearing out of fans, out of certain media analysts, out of people who weren't really approving of Antonio Brown's tantics, um with the whole Facebook Live situation is Antonio Brown is going to be leaving the Steelers. The Steelers are not going to sign him. The Steelers need to get rid of him. The Steelers need to put him on the chopping block. He doesn't care about his team. He's only out for him. He's only out for his brand. What should the Steelers do? Blah, blah, blah. This is Antonio Brown, y'all. I don't know if that matters to many people. Or I don't know if they understand what that means. But Antonio Brown, in my opinion, is the second-best wide receiver in the league. And I only put him second to the man down in Atlanta named Julio Jones. I don't even think I need to discuss why Julio Jones is a monster. I think we saw that on Super Bowl Sunday. I think we saw that leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. So only guy I'm putting above Antonio Brown is Julio Jones. You have to be out of your mind to get rid of Antonio Brown. So what he wants to build his brand. He can build his brand all he wants to off the field. On the field, I need to get Antonio Brown a ball. And I think that the general manager understands that mindset because he had a conversation with the Pittsburgh Gazette who confirmed everything I'm saying. His exact words were, and I quote, anytime I think about it, Or someone wants to dispute it. All I think of is him making a highly unlikely play of being able to reach that ball across the end line between two defenders to secure the division for us. There's absolutely no hesitation compensating him for that. And what he's referring to is he's referring to the winning touchdown that Antonio Brown caught With nine seconds left on the clock against Baltimore on Christmas, which is the game that ultimately gave them the division, which is how they ended up being able to make it into the postseason. Look. Kevin Colbert is like, look, look, bro. (laughs) I'm paying this man. And you know what? He should have. Now, of course, this is going to set a standard for other wide receivers right now that are out there trying to make some money. I mean, you got an Alshon Jeffrey who could be leaving the Bears. He's going to want to look to get paid, too. Now, am I saying he should? Because I don't think Alshon Jeffrey compares to Antonio Brown, but the standard has been set. You got Deshaun Jackson, who may be leaving the Redskins. He has expressed that he has no issues possibly going back to the Eagles. But are the Eagles willing to pay him what he may want after seeing his contract? I'm not sure. Granted, the Eagles definitely need receivers. Like, they need to pay... Whatever somebody want to get some receivers for those guys that they got going on in Philly because they can't catch a cold in Philly. But at the end of the day. The standard has been set because of Antonio Brown, and you also have to think about this now that Brown is back and set for the next four years. They also franchise Le'Veon Bell, who without a doubt, in my mind, is the best running back in the league. The question is. Does Ben Roethlisberger come back because he made some puzzling statements at the end of the season about possibly retiring or he wants to, you know, look at his future and evaluate what his future would hold for him. But if they bring Ben Roethlisberger back, which I think is a strong possibility considering that they've locked up their other two key elements to their offense, I think the Steelers still have a window open of an opportunity to make something happen for them in the AFC. They got to figure out a way to get past the Patriots. And more importantly, they got to figure out what to do about that defense because we're used to this steel curtain. We're used to seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers come through one of the toughest defenses that you've ever seen. And over the last year or so, they haven't really been able to bring that. And that's ultimately been part of their downfall and not being able to get past where they've been able to get past. But I think that um, they still have a window of an opportunity Sixty eight million dollars, y'all. Antonio Brown got paid, (laughs) got paid. And this is the She Knows Sports podcast. I am your host, Tarika Foster Brasby. Coming up after the break, I am going to be joined by Miss Megan McPeak who is the NBA D-League's only female announcer. She's going to kick it with me. We're going to talk about her road to her career. We're also going to talk some basketball for sure. We're going to talk about the Raptors. We're going to talk about Raptors 905. You don't want to miss this. She's awesome. It will be awesome. Stay tuned. What's up, y'all? It's Kenza Ashley, makeup enthusiast, media guru, and the host of Lipstick Shade, the podcast. You can check me out on Lipstick Shade, the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you subscribe for everything social, musical, political, and all of that great stuff. I hope to see you guys there. Peace.
1: Guys. welcome back to She Knows Sports, the podcast, and I am excited to be joined by the NBA D League only female play-by-play announcer, Raptors 905, NBA TV Canada. I'm so excited to talk to her. Miss Megan McPeak is on the line. Megan, how are you? How are you? I I am. Well, my lo- my lower back is not so great.
2: I just got back from the gym and my trainer killed me, but it's all it's all it's all for you know pain and beauty, right?
1: It, it is. You know what? I have Peter <laughs> videos on Twitter of you in the gym, and you go so hard. So I believe it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, Mar- Marcus likes to take, uh, he takes He takes pay- He takes. a lot of pleasure in the pain that he puts me through. But at the end of the day, I am, I'm happy with the results that I have gotten so far. So although I am sore, I, I know it will pay off. But I am fabulous. Other than that, how are you doing? I'm so glad that you have this podcast going because who else better to talk about sports than women?
1: Exactly, exactly. And you know what? It's March. It is officially Women's History Month for us, and I think that this was a perfect show, especially for you to come on, because you are making moves in the realm of sports in so many ways that not only encourage other women, inspire other women, motivate other women, other people, and I want people to get a chance to hear that and to understand that. And so... I want you to give us a little bit, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what it was that made you want to get into uh, play-by-play broadcasting all together.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me, first of all. I appreciate you, you know, taking off Women's History Month uh, and <laughs> and having me on the show. So I appreciate that, um, and I appreciate everything that you've had to say and all the sentiments that you've sent my way, I, I really do appreciate you and, and what you're doing for women in sports yourself. I know you work with my mentor, La China. Um So I, I've been able to hear her podcast and, and take a listen to the great things she's doing. Um, but when she's I think amazing. about it, like, it's women like, right? she is <laughs> She's fabulous. She's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but, it, you know, like when I look at women like her, Pam Ward, Beth Moen, Doris Burke, mm-hmm. you know, when I look at women like that, it's because of them that I'm able to do what I do and to have the title of being the only female play-by-play in the D-League um, and hopefully one day I'll have the title of being the first and only female uh, in in the NBA. That would be absolutely amazing. But I got into it, uh, you know, every little girl who plays who plays sports you know, especially basketball. They want to be the first female in the, in the NBA, and then you know, 20 years ago, the WNBA has to come along and ruin all our dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, the love, the show, the movie "Love and Basketball" comes out, and you know, you see, you see Monica be able to do it, and you know, you think if she can play with guys, why can't I? Um, so I had the hopes and dreams, much like most of my friends, to eventually play in the NBA, and then. You know, up up here in Canada, we don't, we get everything later when it comes to sports uh, than you guys do in the States. Uh, (laughs) So we didn't, we didn't, we weren't getting anything about the WNBA uh, until I want to say maybe, maybe like within the last 10 years only, it's been starting to be on uh, television up here with NBA TV Canada uh, now up here. And, you know, as much as I would love to see, I would love to see every single game on. I don't see why it shouldn't be. It's in the off-season of the NBA. It's in the off-season of hockey. So, you know, we can put aside the love for hockey up here. Show more Mm -hmm. WNBA games. Like, come
1: on. Get more (laughs) women
2: up here. Like, I mean, when you look at it, too, like, look look at the Kia Nurses of Canada. There's more Kia Nurses of Canada coming up in the ranks. So why should we not show these young girls who are playing that, hey, guess what? you can play past college because there's the WNBA and we show it here and we show support for the Canadians that are playing uh, in Canada. So definitely with the, with the amount of Canadians that play in the WNBA, we should definitely be showing it more than, you know, once a week or or once in a blue moon than what it is so far. But I mean, that's, that's why I got into broadcasting. I I realized probably, I want to say when I was graduating, graduating high school, I realized that the pro route wasn't going to, wasn't going to be something that was going to work for me, not because like, I couldn't play or I didn't want to do it. Um, I was lucky enough to play on in the sense of what you guys have in the States. Um, it's basically a, a state championship high school team. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and we were pretty stacked. <laughs> and if you weren't part of the starting lineup, you really didn't get looks past, uh, past the border. Unfortunately, and I was, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I was able to play with some of these girls. I played with Kia Nurse's older sister who, unfortunately, with the success that Kia and her their, her brother Darnell have had, a lot of people don't remember the forgotten oldest sibling of, of a trio of talent that that family had. But um, I played with her and, and some other basketball talent, and I kind of accepted it. And, and it takes a lot for an athlete of any Uh, of any sport to accept that they might not be able to play pro um, just because they didn't get the opportunities that they would have liked Um, and at that time you know this is going back 10 11 years it wasn't you know college up here didn't really get the recognition that it does nowadays and and playing internationally wasn't as well-known on the women's side as it is now um, that we see it with the prominence of a lot of WNBA players going overseas to make their money because they get paid a lot more, which I think is unfair, and, and they should be getting paid similar or much more than what they are getting paid given uh, what you see the NBA players make. Obviously, we know it's not going to be at that magnitude, but definitely right. shouldn't have to go overseas to play to make more money uh, when you know you've got an entire league for the past 20 years. But that's neither here. I mean, that's a a whole conversation for another day. (laughs) Oh, Uh,
1: Oh, yeah. I it's ripped on Twitter when I brought up the fact that I felt like the NBA trade deadline last year and all of the money and free agency that was being thrown out and how awesome it would be for women in the WNBA to receive something similar to that. And I was absolutely ripped on Twitter. Like, if I was a person who didn't have thick skin, my feelings may have been hurt but that's neither here nor there and and you're right a conversation for another day but i do think that you make a great point and and when you think about um other avenues that you know you could have taken most women in in the broadcasting world or most women that you see in the sports world when it comes to being on the other side of the court, you normally see them on the sidelines. Occasionally you'll see them in color commentary. What is it about wanting to actually be the person to call the play-by-play that kind of struck out to you versus the other opportunities that you would see or the other roles that you would usually see women in?
2: Well, when I first started out, when I was in college, I was – um, I was actually, I would play, uh, unlike in the States up here, men and women play back to back, uh, the same night, same team typically, uh, with, with basketball and volleyball. So we would play men and women 6 to 8 PM. Um, I would play and luckily enough, my head coach at the time, uh, would keep post game pretty short because I would shower quick. I had about 15 minutes to pregame or post game, excuse me, shower get dressed and then head out and throw my headset on. And I would be throwing my headset on for the men's <laughs> game uh, to do color commentary, like with maybe if I was lucky, three minutes left on the warm-up clock. Um, so I was initially doing color commentary just because uh, at the time they, I, I wasn't really into, if you will, play by play. I didn't think because I was a player and I had that background and the knowledge of playing that we were quote unquote allowed to do play by play. Um, and I, I, I liked it. I had no problem with, you know, doing the career of, of a color commentator. And, and at that time, I looked at the Doris Burks of the world and wanted to be much like them. And then uh, when I graduated, I was at McMaster University in my hometown. Um, they had a volunteer position. I went out for it, didn't go to Mac, uh, but they were still lucky enough to interview me anyways. And on the spot was asked to do color commentary, which was great. Uh the downside to it was three games into the second semester when I started, the gentleman who was doing play-by-play at the time and had been doing it for like 30-plus years at McMaster with basketball and football unfortunately fell uh, very, very ill. He was ill to begin with but was able to still maintain it and and, and be able to do the games but uh, took a turn for the worst. And they asked if I would do play-by-play in his absence and I was super nervous about it. And I thought, you know what, I'll take it as a challenge and we'll see what happens. First game, I was able to get through it. Uh, definitely was nervous from start to finish. Second game, I had to do another one. Um, was a lot less nervous now that I had one game under my belt. And by the third game that I had to fill in for him, and at the by the third game we found out afterwards, uh, unfortunately that he ended up passing away. Um, so, unfortunate for, for Dr. Don and his family. In hindsight, fortunate for me, I was thrust into doing play-by-play, and that third game, um, going into the fourth one, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I want to do play-by-play, and Mm -hmm. I had instantly fell in love with it after three games, and um, if not for, you know, the station director being – nice enough to be like, I know you've never done it, but we need somebody. Is there any way you do it? You're the only one out of, you know, the three, the the other three guys that follows the women's side as closely as you do. Um, If you don't like it, it's not a problem. We'll find someone to fill in. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And three games later, I was like, no, you don't need to find a fill in. I got this. Four years later, um, (laughs) you know, four years later, I was, I I had to make the decision uh, because the Canadian league, Came up and, and there was an opportunity and I took it and had to leave McMaster. But I'm so thankful for the four years that I had with McMaster and traveling with the women's team and the men's team and being able to go to the final eight and, and call a game for the men's side. And, you know, I look at that and I'm like, you know what, If if things didn't go the way they did, who knows where I'd be and where my career would be. But I look at it now and I'm like, you know what? Why can't women do play-by-play? Why do we only have to do play-by-play on the women's side or for only women's sports? Why can't we call men's sports? If you look at a men's game and a women's game, I mean, aside from the fact that gender is different, the only other difference is the fact that men are, you know, biologically more athletic and have the high-flying acrobatics that the women don't have. Other than that, it's still ball. Ball is ball, in my opinion, whether it's male female, alien, dog, I could care less. I can call a game <laughs> exactly. for a man. I can call a game for a woman.
1: The, the 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 basics of the game, how the game is played, that doesn't change just because of the gender differences on the court. I mean, a layup is still a layup. A, a three is still a three. A half-court shot is still a half-court shot. <laughs> right. We, what, what changes in that regard? Now you cover Raptors nine hundred five, which is uh, the NBA D League team for the Toronto Raptors, and the Toronto Raptors have been going through quite a few changes over the last week or so. Specifically, with Kyle Lowry being out, yep. them uh, getting PJ Tucker in the by the team, by the by the deadline, who actually I believe started his career in Toronto, so it was kind of like a, a three sixty for him, and um, right. For Raptors 905, however, if I'm not mistaken, the head coach is Jerry Stackhouse, correct? Yes, he is. <laughs> what is that like? I mean, as far as, you know, I'm, I'm from Detroit, so I'm familiar um, with all former Detroiters. And so how uh-huh. is that like having a guy like Jerry Stackhouse? Kind of like, what does he bring to the team from his NBA experience? And what is he telling those guys? What does he bring to that, to that atmosphere?
2: Well first off, I just have to give you props. You're probably, uh, and I mean this in no disrespect to your fellow Americans. You're probably the first American I've spoken to that's been able to say Toronto without pronouncing every single letter of the word. So props <laughs> to you.
1: I have been It so rolled yo know, it
2: rolled off your tongue like you were from the six, like so easily. It just you know Toronto. What? We I up have here to, we don't say that middle T. You
1: know what? So here so here it is, right? I used to work like, Paul's break. I used to work for this call center, and we used to call Canada all the time. So I used to call Mississauga <laughs> in – everywhere. And I would talk to people all the time and they would have to give me the differences between dinner and supper. And I was like, oh my God, you guys are killing me. I ha- and, and it was just so funny because <laughs> they would say, you must be from the States because your accent is different. And I'm like, wait, I have an accent? This is crazy. So yeah, I, I'm a little, I have a little background in speaking to Canadians. So there it is. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing.
2: Props to you. It's, it's hilarious when I hear it, but at the same time, it's no different than when we try to say cities in the States, and you guys are like, well, why do you say it that way? But whatever. When <laughs> when you, you know, <laughs> when you look at, I mean, having a coach, and, and look at last season, Jesse Mermis, who's now an assistant coach with Luke Walton in the Lakers, formerly was an assistant coach with Coach Casey before he was put into the head coach position uh, for the inaugural season with the 905. Now you have Stack, who was on the coaching staff, as an assistant last season with coach Casey, he's got the 18 year veteran experience. You know, he's, he's, I go, I want to say a two time all-star has, you know, he, he has all that background, but the main thing I look at and what he brings uh, brings to the team and the organization on the D league side, and especially to the players. And it's the one thing I've noticed the most and talking with some different players, uh, and, and even talking with Stack and, and assistant coach Donnie Tyndall and kind of getting his idea of, of what Stack brings that's different from other coaches in the D-League uh, that might not have that NBA veteran experience is the fact that Stack can relate to these guys. Yes, Stack was drafted. Yes, he went to the big name UNC Tar Heel School. I get that. Some of these guys went to big name schools. You know, it, that's no different. You take that out of the equation – and the only difference between them is the fact that Stack was drafted and, and these guys are doing it a little different uh, way than what he has. But he still has, he still has the experience of being a rookie in the NBA, going through the ups and downs, having to deal with the potential of a rookie wall and, and the back and forth and the flying and, and trying to deal with, with family and, and not having them around all the time and what it takes to grow in this league and grow as a player and also grow as a man and be a contributing person to society. But the one thing I've noticed as well, too, is the fact that he tries to instill on these guys that I played 18 years and Mm -hmm. I had to play 18 years. The way I did it, I changed the way I played. I adapted to the way the NBA was changing. I still played like Stackhouse, but I adapted Stackhouse to the way things were changing because you look at you look at the 18 year career he had jerry stackhouse drafted at unc was not the same jerry stackhouse when he retired and which is crazy because you look at him he's only a few few years removed from retirement so he's right. still very re- his, his experience is still very relevant upon retirement to these guys because you think about it some of these guys on the team if they're rookies He was just retiring when they were going in as freshmen at at college. So he's still, like, they're still relevant to him. He's still relevant to them, vice versa. Um, So the main thing I think that I've noticed personally from what he's able to bring to these guys is the experience as not only a player but a grown man for 18 years on how to carry yourself to be successful in this this business. Because the NBA is no longer a sport. It's a business. It Absolutely. is a business when you think about it and the way it's changed from the 90s with Michael Jordan and what he's done um, to change the way that people look at the NBA. It's no longer just a sport. It is a business, and, and these guys have to be prepared for it. So I think having a head coach that has the experience, um, it, it's definitely different for, for the 15 guys on the roster because they, you know, some coaches can say what they want. They can tell you what they think, but unless they've walked in the shoes, You don't necessarily want to take what they have to say uh, as truth. You want to take it with a grain of salt. But when it comes to Stackhouse, he's walked in their shoes. He knows what it takes to play at the NBA and to be successful and to continue to be able to be useful as as an 18-year vet. So they can take what he has to say and know that he's telling us from experience and not just what he's thinking.
1: This is Miss Megan McPeak. You guys dropping knowledge, okay? For anybody out there who thinks that women can't talk sports or basketball, you guys are tripping because it's happening right now on the She Knows Sports podcast. Now, before I let you go, um, with the loss of Kyle Lowry uh, for the Raptors, a lot of people are now starting to see their seating seating fall. Um, do you still believe that they'll bounce back from, you know, this recent streak that they've been on? And where do you see the Raptors finally placing when it comes to the overall aspect of the, the Eastern Conference? Well, and it's
2: funny because I was at the gym and, you know, I, I work part-time at the, the gym I work out at, and that's the question I always get asked when I go in. But, you know, my coworkers, like, are you concerned? Are you panicking yet? Like, what's right. what's your should we be panicking? <laughs> I'm like, that, <laughs> like, just – just relax, especially to after last night's, you know, um, interesting loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the best word I could use. Um, I mean, when you when you look at the loss of Kyle Lowry, does it suck? Hundred percent, hundred percent sucks. Unfortunately, the timing is terrible when there's only 24 games left in the season. Um, but I think when you look at the fact that they lose him now after trade deadline versus had had this injury, you know, had it blown up. Um, beginning of December or mid-December beginning of January. You question if Masai really makes those moves or does he try Mm -hmm. to go out and get a better point guard? Um, Personally, let's say Kyle says something before All-Star. He pulls out of All-Star. I personally still think Masai makes the move to get P.J. Tucker because Mm -hmm. you've got I mean, you look look at this roster. They have a plethora of, of point guards. Their backup point guard is Corey Joseph. He's got an NBA title. A lot of people seem to forget Corey Joseph came up in the system of Greg Popovich, one of the best coaches in NBA history. And if that's your backup point guard, if I'm Coach Casey, I'm okay if I lose Kyle Lowry. Then you look at DeLon Wright and Fred VanVleet, it's very interesting that both of your, your backup to your backup point guards are both four year college players. They've matured mm-hmm. as players when you look at it over the college spectrum. Um, so I think at the, at the point guard position, they're okay. It's not, you're, you're not panicking if you're Coach Casey and the coaching staff and Masai. So I personally would think that Masai still goes out and makes those moves had Kyle said something before uh, All Star and pulled out because those were areas they needed with or without Kyle. They needed a backup four and they needed a backup three. Everyone knew that. Um, So I don't think as of yet it's time for fans and, 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 you know, to panic Um, when it comes to their seeding. I think that there's going to be a little up and down over the next, you know, three, four weeks with Kyle being out of the lineup. Um, it's expected. Anytime he's out of the lineup, there's always that up and down with the team. But I think a lot of it is going to be interesting to see how DeMar handles it. DeMar hasn't really ever played an extended period of time without Kyle Lowry. And it'll be and this, this will say a lot about DeMar's presence as a quote-unquote all-star and an elite player. How he handles it. Does he continue to go for for 30 plus a night? Is that what they need for him to win? That might be what they need for him to win. But does he also, you know, pick up seven, eight, nine assists as well because he's getting his teammates involved? Five, six, seven, eight, nine rebounds because he's crashing the boards and knows, you know, I've got to be, I've got to have an impact. Similar ways that Kyle would have to keep these
1: guys going. He also has veteran presence around him, too, because when you've got Serge Ibaka, who's the guy who can't score, when you've got P.J. Tucker, who can come off the bench and he can hit the corner three, you don't have to put all of the pressure on DeMar to have to do it every single time. But I definitely agree with what you're saying. This is where DeRozan is going to have to step up more than ever to show his all-star caliber for sure.
2: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that's why I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, if Kyle said something before I'll I think they still make these moves because that's what they were missing. And you bring in the veteran mindset and yes, it's veteran mindset and PJ Tucker only five years in the league, but he still has the overseas experience. Veteran basketball mindset is veteran basketball mindset. Sergi Baca knows what it takes to get to the Western conference finals He's got that veteran mindset of playing in the mm-hmm. West and, and having to deal with the wild, wild West. So they definitely needed that because that, I think, is what was missing last season in their playoff run. But I still think third is is still a potential um, number to go after. Second is very, very uh, aggressive for them to try and go after. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got it based on, you know, the rest of the regular season, the schedule between them and, and Boston. But, I mean, you've still got – Washington nipping at your heels um, you still got Indiana nipping at your heels Miami's still you know they're still hot right now if they fall in that fourth place if I'm a Raptors fan I might be a little bit more worried because you fall in the fourth place you know you run the risk fourth or fifth depending how the end of the regular season goes their final game of the regular season is in Cleveland mm. everyone knows the Eastern Conference runs through Cleveland but you don't want to see Cleveland until the Eastern Conference Finals. If they end up slipping and fall in five, six, or seventh, that is a potential nightmare uh, in a second-round playoff matchup. So I think they want to go for second, and then best-case scenario, they fall into third.
1: Megan, it has been a pleasure speaking to you. I am so glad you were able to come on the show. I hope this will not be the last time. And please, please let all of our listeners know – where they can find you on social media so they can keep up with you as well.
2: Well, as long as you'll have me again, girl, I will be more than welcome to join you, Tarika, and, <laughs> and talk sports. Because, of, you know, of all the women, I, I put you up there with Jamel Hills of, of the sports world because you, Jamel, I mean, the clap back game is real. <laughs> and I <laughs> lo- when, so when you guys have fans, you know, sliding in there and, and trying to, trying to put, put you women in your place, The clapback is so amazing. It makes me want to work on my clapback game. So as long as you're willing to have me, I will join you as often as you would like for your podcast. Um, But social media, you can find me at Megan McPeak. It's Meg Han, M-E-G-H-A-N. I have an extra letter in there that some people don't want to spell, but you can find me on social media at Megan McPeak.
1: Thank you so much, man. You guys, make sure you follow her and check her out, and we will definitely have you on the podcast again. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having
2: me. I appreciate it.
1: Megan is so super dope. I am so happy she was able to join me. And this is the She Knows Sports podcast where we're talking some Raptors basketball because, hey – They have got a lot to prove in the next 20-some-odd games. It's going to be an interesting second half of the NBA season. We definitely want to see where they end up, Uh, if you were able to catch – Wednesday night's game between Cleveland and Boston, you can certainly see that the Celtics are not going to go out easy like they are just one superstar away from really being a strong contender um, in the Eastern Conference and realistically you know, you never know what can happen when it comes to injuries as far as that's concerned with players. And so if the wrong person in Cleveland gets injured, then I won't even know if I'm going to be able to fully say that they will be a one star away or a one or two stars away from being that guy. If something happens to somebody in Cleveland, Boston could might as well say that they are the team that people in the Eastern Conference need to worry about. So I'm going to be excited to see how this ends up playing out. But I just want to thank everybody so much for tuning in today. Be sure to follow on Twitter. I am at Sports underscore please be sure to subscribe to the podcast in itunes it's she knows sports the podcast you can also subscribe to us on blog talk slash she knows sports it is always and forever a pleasure to kick it with you guys and please make sure you are tuned in again next week i will talk to you all then thank you for listening to she knows sports
0: the podcast to subscribe on iTunes and blogtalkradio.com and follow on Twitter at SheKnowsSports underscore.